0: Hello, and welcome to the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast, powered by Jetro and Associates. Get ready for another action-packed episode from our team that will help you save time, taxes, and keep more money in your pocket.
1: Hello, and welcome back. I am your host, Mike Jezoshak, and I'm a CPA and founder over at Jetro, which is an innovative accounting firm servicing small business owners across the country. Today's episode, we have a special guest, Paul Bosley from the Business Finance Depot. Hey, Paul, how are you doing?
2: Pretty good. How you doing, Mike?
1: Excellent. I'm glad to have you on. It, it's kind of funny. We were talking pre, pre-recording, and um, we are trying to figure out exactly where we met. And it was actually at the, the Association of Fitness Studios Succeed Conference back in, in April. It was their first annual. So it, it's always, you know, we're all, we live such busy lives. It's always interesting to see, um, try to trace back uh, nine months later, how did we actually meet in the first place? But um, So, to get started, we're just going to go through our quick fire questions, learn a little bit more um, about your background, where you're coming from. So, first question, Paul why do you do what you do?
2: Uh, to earn a living, for starters, uh, a I come reason. from a uh, kitchen table. I've been in the fitness industry financing equipment for, uh, I don't know, maybe 20, 15, 20 years. I've been in the industry for 46 years. So, I I wanted to stay in the fitness industry without actually running a club, so I ended up morphing into the finance side. Got
1: it. Makes sense. What's one ritual that helps you become better at what you do?
2: I haven't missed a fitness trade show in probably 20 years. I'd be a, I go to URSA, club industry, and athletic business, so I'm, and I read the magazine so I know what's going on in the industry.
1: That's great. Um, what's an app or system that you use to stay in control of your workload?
2: I use Outlook. I use Outlook a lot like most people use Salesforce. Uh, I use the task fun- functions to set up reminders, and it works well for me.
1: Okay. What's one book, podcast, or blog that you would recommend?
2: I read the Wall Street Journal every day. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's business, and it's national and international news, so I stay in touch that way. Awesome, and finally, what
1: is, what's kind of going to be the main focus of the topic that we're going to be talking about today um, for your for your uh, interview? Uh,
2: financing small business.
1: Okay, well, that starts that. Uh, Paul, give the
2: audience just
1: a little background, kind of. I know you mentioned been in the fitness industry for a while, wanted to get into the finance side, but give the audience a little background about where you come from, what you're doing now, kind of where you're going, what type of businesses are ideal for you. What type of businesses you're working with on a regular basis?
2: We are in three industries. We're in the fitness industry, the franchise industry, and the campground and RV park industry. So we're very active in all three industries. We're well-known through the associations and through a lot of the marketing that we do. And the products that we offer are we package all different types of SBA loans and there's different types. We package equipment leases, which there's, again, all different types, any type of equipment you need to operate. And then there's some alternate financing sources that we offer.
1: Okay. And so, you know, when you, you mentioned fitness, and, and we kind of talked about that as well, um, but the franchise piece, do you work with franchises in all sorts of different industries? Is it people just starting out? Is it people that already have a location, already have a franchise set up? What's that typically look like?
2: Well, all the franchisors uh, that we work with are in in all different industries. You know, we have companies like United Franchise Group that their oldest brand is Signorama, which is the biggest sign-making franchise in the country. We work with Massage Envy, which is, uh, you know, the biggest massage company in the industry. So there's all different types. Big V Coffee is like a Starbucks type of uh, coffee franchise. So... We primarily work with the new franchisees. That's where the franchisors need the most help. Okay. Uh, secure and financing when you're an existing company is a lot simpler than it is when you're trying to launch a new business.
1: Yep. Got it. So, you know, st- kind of on that idea of financing, what are some of the types of financing that are available for, for businesses? As you know, whether you're established or just starting out?
2: The most common is SBA loans. That's a government bank loan. Um, Like I said, there's different types of them, but that's the most common loan because the lenders, there's many of them nationally. Some of them are very large companies that people know like Wells or Chase or uh, Bank America, which have branches all over the country. But most of the SBA lenders are actually non-banks that are uh, either banks or publicly traded companies. that do SBA loans. So there's different types of loans and very, a lot of lenders. And the reason it's most common is because a percentage of the loan is backed by the federal government in the event of the fall. Okay.
1: And so is there a certain, you know, when you're trying to get an SBA loan, what are some of the parameters? Do you have to have a certain net worth to begin with? Is it, um, you know, what are some of the qualifiers to, to get a loan like that?
2: there's probably four or five main qualifiers i'd say the first is your bio are you uh did you invest enough in yourself whether it's your education or your work experience or certifications to make a lender feel comfortable with you uh that's probably number one the second would be your credit score which again is kind of a direct reflection on how you are at paying your own personal bills. Because if you're financing a new business, there's no business credit, but at least they can take a hard look at your personal credit. Uh, The third would be your equity injection. Uh, No lender is gonna finance 100% of the project, so you gotta have quote unquote skin in the game. Most common is probably somewhere in the range of 15 to 30% of the total project cost. So you have to have liquid assets to be able to do that. Or you could have a gift from a parent or possibly partners that are investors. But in the end, there's gotta be an equity injection. Okay. And then depending on the loan amount, uh, the collateral for the loan is the business and in many cases, a person's uh, private assets. You know, it could be real estate, could be a number of different things. But those are your four major things, your bio, your credit, your equity injection and your collateral.
1: Okay. And you know, you kind of mentioned the the amount of the loan. Um, wh- what is the typical amount of a loan? Is there, is there a max? Is there a minimum when you're talking about an SBA type loan?
2: SBA loans, depending on the, the type could range from 25,000 up to five, basically up to 5 million, up to 10 million. Really there's, there's three main types of loans, or two main actually. One is the SBA 7A loan, which is subdivided into what's called the Small Loan Advantage Program, which is loans from 25,000 up to 350,000, and then the 7A traditional program goes from 350 up to 5 million, and then you have the 504 loan, which is a kind of a loan set up for real estate purchases when you're uh, Going to occupy the majority of the space, and that goes up to ten million. So uh, actually, the range, depending on the loan type, can go from twenty-five thousand up to ten million.
1: Okay, oh, that's great. Um, and, and you know, the listeners on our show, you know, we, we we work with businesses. Most of our listeners are coming from a business background, whether they're just starting or been established for a while. Um, but we don't often talk to a lot of people who are saying, "Hey, Mike, I'm just starting out. I know nothing about bookkeeping, know nothing about taxes, and that's why they're here." <laughs> And so someone that is just kind of starting out, how is financing a startup business different from just a business acquisition?
2: A business acquisition actually can only be financed with one product, the SBA 7A loan. Uh, The main difference, the two main differences are your deposit is 10%. So it's less. So you're financing 90% of the purchase and you can add to the purchase price things like you know working capital or maybe you're going to do some improvements after you buy the business. So you can take the purchase price and add things to it uh, so that the total project would then be uh, 90% financed by the lender and 10% financed by the person's equity injection. Um, the second major thing is if you're buying a business, the business price, the price that you agree on has to be supported by a business valuation, which is done in the process of underwriting to protect the buyer and the borrower and the bank. So uh, if the business valuation, which is done by a CPA that specializes in business valuations, supports the sales price, then the loan is approved. If the business valuation does not support the sales price, the seller has two choices, walk away or lower their price.
1: Okay. And so, you know, I feel like a lot of times when you're when you're talking about someone selling a business, they want to get the world for it. And obviously the buyer wants to pay as least amount as possible. But when you're talking about those valuations, how often are those, are you seeing those come in where, They're not matching. The valuation is lower than the purchase price or something like that. And then what are the workarounds? You you either lower the purchase price or inject capital to get up to that amount needed. But how how often do you see that happen when the valuation comes in less than a purchase price?
2: Quite a bit, actually, because like you said, people um, tend to overvalue the business and and the people that are buying it don't know what the valuation is going to come in at. That's why the evaluation is done. There is no workaround. The only only workaround is the seller walks away or they lower the price because the bank's not going to finance something that the buyer's overpaying. So, um, you know, in principle, uh, I would say that what we do with our clients is when we know that we're dealing with what's called a Biz Act, a business acquisition, we tell them to tell the buyer or the seller. Right up front, that this is the case because if they're not willing to go down that road where they're willing to either lower their price or walk away, then there's no sense of getting involved with this.
1: Yeah, interesting. Um, you know, let's say you you, you have a business valuation that comes in at a hundred thousand, just easy numbers, and the purchase price was hundred twenty thousand dollars. Could they? inject more capital or find a partner for that additional $20,000 to make the deal work? Or is it basically a walk or nothing type situation? It
2: should drop the price or uh, walk away.
1: Got it. Um, so for, the, for that person that is, you know, doing a startup or first time business owner that is is looking for financing, what are some of the steps that they should take ahead of time to plan for, um, when applying for that financing?
2: uh pull their credit on Experian.com, uh if it's 700 or more they probably would be okay if it's less than 700 work on your credit okay uh, pull the credit of anybody that's going to be a partner over twenty percent same idea uh, either work on their credit or take them out you can if you have partners that don't have good credit they can have 10 or fifteen percent but they can't have 20 or more uh, so that's probably the number one thing. Second thing probably would be um, to put together a personal financial statement so that you start to really get your arms around what your assets and liabilities and net worth are. Those are probably the two biggest things.
1: Okay. Um, and, you know, you kind of mentioned at the beginning, um it, you know, I, th- I think there's a, lot, there's a lot of misbelief that uh, in order to get business financing, you have to have an established business or you have to have this big business background. Um, but it sounds like that's not necessarily the case. As long as that you have some capital that you can contribute or at least um, have some skin in the game, as you mentioned, or have a partner that's financing it, you don't, you don't need to have prior business established in order to get financing and things like that. Um, is that correct?
2: yeah I'd say that's fair to say the that's why franchising is such a a big industry because if you were let's just say you were going to launch a a new CPA firm you know obviously you've got your 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 degree and you know you've got all that behind you but if it's a privately held CPA firm then they're gonna want to see a business plan and a long, you know, detailed explanation, you know, let's call it 20 pages of who your competition is, how you're going to bring in your market, what your financial projections are, uh, you know, what your personal background is, you know, whatever information that you have for uh, any commitment you've made for location, stuff like that. So it's very different when you're going to do that as opposed to, let's just say you were going to, as a CPA, you were going to buy a franchise, a number of franchises out there for you know, tax preparation, as an example, like an H&R or something like that. That situation, you've got the background, but you're going to buy an existing business that, you know, an existing franchise that is not, not buy a franchise, but I mean, launch a new franchise that's from a proven track record where you have support and and you have a whole system to follow where, uh, as opposed to doing it yourself. So it's, As a startup, it's easier to get financing for a franchise as opposed to getting financing for somebody who's just going to try to hang a shingle.
1: Yeah, and that just makes complete sense. You know, how many businesses do you see start up and fall (coughs) off? Um, But, you know, you don't see franchises pop up and down all over the place on a regular basis, at least in comparison to what you would find in a business. So, um, that makes complete sense. And they already have that business. you know, the business plan built up because the franchise kind of develops all that with them. Um, you know, the, the franchise thing is always intriguing to me. You know, we have clients that are in the franchise space. Um, and it's really, you know, the, the dynamics and background of it is, is really interesting. Uh, just on a personal note, if it's something you're willing to share, what's, you know, some of the franchises that you've worked with, what which ones have you seen be most successful? Obviously, you know, it depends on, on the business owner and things, but what are some of the most enjoyable franchises that you've seen, at least in that getting started, getting going phase?
2: Well, with the, with all franchises, franchisors have to create and register a federal disclosure document with the federal government, as well as every state they're going to sell the franchise. and, within the FTD, it's called the federal disclosure document is known as the FTD. It lists in detail all of the locations that the franchise has by state and total. It goes back three years and it breaks it out into the ones that are open, the ones that have been sold and aren't open yet, the ones that have ceased operations, uh, the ones that have been transfer- transferred ownership. So the the, the way that you can judge a franchise and how successful they are is really by the FDD. They have to update it every year and it's created by a lawyer. So as a general rule, the franchisors that have a lot of locations, and I'll probably use Massage Envy as probably the, one of the biggest ones, uh, they've got you know, well over 1,500 locations and they've been you know established for a long time And that's one scenario. The other scenario uh, might be something like an F45 training, which is a Australian franchise that's got thousands of them overseas. They're primarily, they're all over Australia and uh, New Zealand. And they basically have no more territory there. They're group training, you know, type of franchise, video training for, uh, you know, the type of training that instead of, it's more, um, Try to think of the type of training that they do. as a word for it. Like a
1: high intensity or something like that.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like a high intensity training. Um, and uh, and they came into the U.S. So when they came into the U.S. and started out about three years ago, uh, they had already have a thousand. Of them. So they have a, Their systems are down pat. I mentioned earlier, Signorama. They've got 600. They're the biggest fran- sign franchise in the country. So, you know, those are three real good examples. Massage Envy, which is really a recovery type of franchise. Then you've got F45, which is more, like you said, a high intensity. And then you've got something like a sign making franchise, like Signorama. And those are probably the three biggest ones that we work with. And the oldest one we worked with, actually, Yogi Bear's Jellystone Park. Hey, hey, hey,
0: smarter than the average bear.
2: <laughs> uh, We've been doing their financing for years, and they're a 50-year-old franchise with a hundred of them, and they've never had a failure.
1: Wow! And so, with as far as on your side, are you working with um, the franchise itself a lot of times mm-hmm. to kind of set up that financing in case they have someone come in that does ask for financing options that they don't already have set up?
2: That's what I do. That's correct. Awesome. All that up, I set up the SBA program. The financial projections, the business plans, and uh, leasing. I, I set up a lease, a lot of leasing programs. So, Signorama, for instance, has hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of an equipment leasing for all the sign making equipment. Yogi Bear's Jellystone Parks has cabins that are, you know, forty 000, fifty thousand dollars each that they drop in. They may put in ten of them or something. So we ha- we set up leasing programs for those different brands. The F forty five brand has about hundred fifty thousand dollars equipment package of fitness equipment signage point of sale system so we've set up packages for leasing because some people either do not qualify for sba loans or they don't want to do an sba loan and they just rather lease the equipment
1: yeah that makes sense um no I i think this is really good stuff um like i said for our listeners out there there's a lot of people that are in all different stages in their business they might be looking to sell and get into a franchise or, you know, vice versa. And so, um, yeah, I think this is really good information. Some good, uh, just some good background, initial options that are available out there. Uh, If someone wants to get in touch with you, what's your website? Kind of where's a good place to find you?
2: Uh, Well, the website's businessfinancedepot.com. Depot is spelled like Home Depot, D-P-O-T.com. So businessfinancedepot.com has got a way you can kind of click and get in touch with me that way. Uh, you can always email me, Paul, at businessfinancedepot.com.
1: Okay, awesome. And I'll include a link to the website within the show notes. So any listeners out there that want to easily find it, I'll include that in there. Um, other than that, Paul, I, I really appreciate you jumping on. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get this episode out. I think there's going to be some listeners that are... Uh, probably coming at a perfect time where they're in that stage where they're thinking about making that next step in their career, whatever, whether that's buying another location, opening their first franchise or whatever it might be. Um, So I think this, this will come at a good time. So I appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to jump on with us.
2: Well, thank you. You're welcome. I'm excited to do it. Thanks for having me.
1: Okay. Thanks Paul. Now, one last thing before I go don't forget to check out our podcast website at www.taxsavingspodcast.com. That's taxsavingspodcast.com. This is a great resource to go and check out our most recent episodes, as well as find extra items if you want to take what we discuss here and dive deeper. Again, also join our Facebook group where we share tons of value and you have the opportunity to bring situations you are faced with to the table and we'll help you out in that Facebook group and other business owners will support you as well. You can join by simply searching in Facebook for the Small Business Tax Secrets group. Again, it's a Facebook group called Small Business Tax Secrets and there should be a group that pops up that you can join.
0: This has been another episode of the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast from the team at Jetro and Associates. If you have any questions, feel free to email them. Tax at JetroTax.com. We have packages for small business owners starting at just $75 a month. If you enjoyed our podcast, please take the time out to give us a five-star review in iTunes or wherever you listen. This helps us to bring you useful tips to help you grow your small business. Thanks for listening and have a great day.